Psalm 107 verse 20 said, He sent his word and healed them. Psalm 107 verse 20. That's not where you need to go. You need to go to Mark chapter 6. He sent his word and his word healed them. What did he confirm? The word confirm means to remove all doubt by performing indisputable acts of authority. Isn't that what you came looking for? Didn't you come looking for an indisputable act of authority that would remove all doubt concerning your situation? I better ask you again. I better ask you again. Did you come tonight for a manifestation of his power that would remove all doubt? An indisputable. Touch your neighbor and say, when we get done here tonight, you ain't going to have no argument. An indisputable act of authority that removes all doubt. Now, I'm going to have to get started real quick. Bring me this young lady right here. Bring this young lady right here, right here, quickly, 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 quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tremendous loss. Yeah, it's over. It's over. It's over. The torment is over. And God said, I'll give you double everything the enemy stole. The power of God, come on you now. Now, now do you want an indisputable act of authority? This is all too loud. Do you want an indisputable act of authority? No, no, I'm going to ask you again. Do you want an indisputable? I mean, do you want God to heal you so drastically that your doctor can't argue with you? That's what I'm asking you. Do you want an indisputable act of authority that will remove all doubt? then we have to go on a commission. We have to be in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And hence, that's why I've taken you to Mark chapter 6. Listen to these words. But Jesus said unto them, verse 4, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. Watch now. And he, who's the he? Who's, who's the he? Jesus. And Jesus, look up here at me. I'm about to prove to you, there's some folk Jesus couldn't get healed. Well, I better rephrase that. There are not some folk that he, there, there are not folk that he could not get healed. There are folk he could not get to step into the manifestation of their healing. I'm about to prove it to you. So don't, don't be running in here looking at me or looking at some other preacher and then turning your nose up and walking out the door still sicker than when you came in and say, well, they just didn't have it. Don't have anything to do with them. Don't have anything to do with it. There, there, are, there are folk, I'm not going to confess it on you, but if this was a normal gathering of believers, 
uh, there would be folk that if Jesus of Nazareth walked into the midst of you, would keep your sickness, your bondage, your depression, your anxiety, your worry, your cancer, your arthritis, your blood sugar condition. Now shout, that's not me. Determine it right now. That's not me. Draw a line in the sand and tell the devil to get back on his side of the line. That's not going to be you. I'm going to prove it to you right now. I'm going to prove it to you right now. Here it is. They laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now wait, let's stop right there for a minute. Let me break this down for you a little bit. Let's stop right there. He could there do no mighty work save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now he did not say their doubt. He said their unbelief. I can prove to you in other passages that doubt did not hinder him at all. In fact, doubt, if you will, egged him on. Doubt stimulated Jesus in his earthly ministry. But unbelief caused him to be unable to operate in anything reaching to remove all doubt by performing indisputable acts of authority. He, could, he couldn't get there. He could lay his hands on a few sick folk and they got healed, but that's all he could do. Not because of doubt. Here's what doubt does. Doubt says, I wonder if it could be. Oh, God. Doubt, 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 doubt. Doubt says, I haven't quite made up my mind. I'm not sure. You know what doubt says? I'm looking. I'm seeking. I'm interested. I'm looking for more information. Because if I can get some information, faith will be born. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Why? Because faith cannot exist where the will of God is unknown. Until you know what the will of God is, you cannot operate in faith. But doubt seeks an answer. Doubt is looking for an answer. Doubt is looking for information. Doubt is saying, give me some evidence. Give me something tangible. Give me something I can base my faith on. That's what doubt says. Doubt says, I wonder if I could be healed. Give me just that crack tonight. Give me just that opening into your spirit tonight. Give me just that much of an opportunity to spread that thing wide open by a revelation of truth. And I guarantee you, you'll walk out of this building in the manifestation of whatever it is you came looking for. Just give me that much room. Give me that much of a question. Just leave that much of a door cracked. 
for the Holy Ghost tonight. I hear the Holy Spirit of God crying out of me. Just give me a chance. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I don't have stage fright. He said, I'm ready to manifest indisputable acts of authority, which will remove all doubt. But just give me that much of an opportunity to put truth. Here's what he's saying. Let me give you some information. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing means receiving information. So we could say faith comes by receiving information. Stay with me. Faith comes by receiving information. How? Information produces knowledge. Knowledge produces understanding. Understanding produces trust. And trust is faith. I'm going to go through it again. Knowledge. Knowledge. Information. Information produces knowledge. Knowledge produces Understanding. Understanding produces trust. And trust is faith. And faith in God can move your mighty mountains. Yes? So while doubt says, I wonder if it could be, and seeks information, unbelief responds, I know it is not. I will never be healed. I will never be blessed. I will never be prospered. I don't believe it's God's will to heal everybody all the time. And if it's not God's will to heal everybody all the time, it certainly wouldn't be God's will to heal me. Therefore, I don't know what the will of God is. Therefore, I cannot have faith. Therefore, I cannot trust. Therefore, I'm in unbelief and even Jesus in this building could not get me free from that that binds me. If you don't believe it, read the rest of the verse. Read the rest of the verse. Here's what it says. And he marveled because of their unbelief and he went about, round about the villages doing what? What did he do? When he was faced with unbelief, what did Jesus do? He taught. When the people couldn't get their miracle, what did Jesus do? Whip up the band? Turn up the light show? What did Jesus do? Taught. Why? Because teaching destroys unbelief. How does it do it? I just told you. Teaching from the Word of God gives you information. Information gives you knowledge. Knowledge gives you understanding. Understanding gives you trust. And trust is faith. And faith is the opposite of unbelief. Therefore, the door is open. Even if you're wavering. Even if you're doubting. For Jesus to step through and give you an indisputable act of authority which will remove all doubt. Are you ready for it? If you're ready for it, spend five seconds shouting. I'm in the book of Acts chapter 1 as I continue this compulsion that I'm under concerning the subject after his passion. 
I'll spend very little time except to remind you, Acts chapter 1, verse 1, these words. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he threw the Holy Ghost. How did he do it? Say it again. How did he do it? Through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles to whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. How many of you have seen Mel Gibson's tremendous portrayal, anointed and inspired portrayal uh, during this season of the passion of the Christ? Wave your hand. Wave your hand. It's not, it's not to be ashamed of. Thank God for it. I said, thank God for it, $317 million as of last Monday. The number one grossing R-rated film in history of the film industry. Lagging at number four behind it, The Exorcist. That's where the devil ought to be, behind. And he's behind today. And he's behind in your life. He is a defeated devil. He just doesn't act like it. He's trying to bluff you. God led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men and if you're bound tonight you're bound by a lie and the only thing that can set you free is the truth and John 17 17 said father sanctify them through your word your word is truth therefore if you teach that word unbelief is destroyed I want to talk to you a little bit about after his passion. I want you to see what happened after bleeding by which the very veins of God himself were emptied. I want you to see what happened after they kicked and prodded him through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. I want you to see what happened after they had beaten him round about his head. 614 Roman centurions pummeling him in the face and in the head until your Bible says that his visage was marred so that no man could recognize him. Let me tell you, Mel Gibson did a wonderful job and he got criticized for it being too brutal and too bloody may I tell you what you saw is not even close to what actually happened to the Savior of the world but don't hang your head this is after his passion the book of Acts comes after Matthew Mark Luke and John after his crucifixion after his burial after his resurrection from the dead and may I share with you that's where we're living tonight Slap somebody a high five and shout after his passion. Whoa. After the price was played, after the blood was shed, after he was beaten with the cat of nine tails till his flesh hang round about his legs like ribbons, after he cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, after they put a stone in front of that tomb, after on the third day he kicked it out and painted a six-lane highway straight through to the new Jerusalem, don't you stand at the base of a bloody cross and act like that's the end. There's more, my friend. There's more after his passion here's a little bit of it after his passion chapter 5 of the book of Acts and verse 14 after his passion and believers oh God oh God oh God oh God 
Verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets. They did what? They brought forth the sick into the streets. One passage, look at me, one passage in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Your Bible says that they would lay the sick in the streets. If perchance Jesus passing by, they might, as it were, reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Do you have any problem with that? Do you believe that when he walked through the streets, they laid the sick in the streets and they would grab hold of his his garment and when they would grab hold of that garment the breach was repaired a contact was made and power available became power manifested do you believe that you remember the little woman with the issue of blood who pressed her way and sat within herself if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. But now wait a minute. That was Jesus. He died. He was raised from the dead. He went back to heaven, but he did not stop there. Bible says he gave a World Wrestling Federation tag team handoff. Did you ever see those tag teams? Some fellow be getting beat to death in the middle of the ring. But if he stumbles over, if he stumbles over, if he can just get over and just touch, the handoff is made. Can I tell you, up from the grave he arose. Can I tell you, he told his disciples, don't touch me now. I've not yet been back to my father. But when he once again led captivity captive, your Bible said, he that ascended is the same that descended. But may I remind you, when he descended, he led captivity captivity captive and then he ascended up into the heavens prepared himself to sit down at the right hand of the father but before he did he reached out to the third person of the trinity gave him a tag team handoff and said holy ghost it's your time Now, it is this bunch that did not settle down to build the first church of Jerusalem. It is this bunch that didn't have any religious trappings. They didn't have any pews, no pulpits, no choir, no choir loft, no robes, no preacher. They had absolutely nothing but the divine commission where Jesus said, I am with you always and the works that I do shall you do and greater works. Why? Because I go to my father. He said, it's expedient in John 16. It's expedient for you. For if I go not away, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, will not come. But if I go, 
I will send him unto you, the comforter, the paraclete, the teacher, the counselor, the one called alongside to help. I will send him, and he that is with you shall get in you. You're not here with me. No, 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 no. Are you in, are you in chapter 5? Shout after his passion. After his passion, insomuch that they brought the sick into the streets. Now, wait a minute. Jesus not around. This is Acts chapter 5. They've already tried this thing out. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And there was a lame man laying there. Been there day after day and week after week. But Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, saith unto the lame man, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I possess, give I thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he didn't even wait on the man to stand up. Bible says he reached down and grabbed him up and the man went walking and leaping and praising God. Wait a minute. Jesus is nowhere to be found. Now that's already happening. They're already following the pattern that Jesus said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They took that real serious where he said, he that believeth upon me, the works that I do shall he do and greater works. They knew what it did. They'd followed him around for three and a half years. He had that lay him in the streets ministry. And Peter, when he saw that man laying in the street, the Holy Ghost in him, the same Holy Ghost, the oh God, the same Holy Ghost shout after his passion. The same Holy Ghost. Your Bible says, consider Jesus of Nazareth, a man anointed of the Holy Ghost who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. How did he do it? Acts chapter 1 told you. How he through the Holy Ghost, Jesus anointed by the Holy Ghost, they laid them in the streets. Now the apostles, full of that same Holy Ghost, after the fire of God breathed the Holy Spirit into them, now insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds. Can I tell you what's the matter with me tonight? Can I tell you what's the matter with me tonight? What's the matter with me is that everybody wants to come in here to get healed. When you the very ones God wants to loose on the earth to heal everybody else. Oh, you're not shouting now. Oh, if I can get to Brother Benny. Well, Benny ain't got nothing for you. If I can get to Brother Rod. But Rod ain't got nothing for you that you can't get on your own. 
And if you get it from me, the next time you need it, you'll be looking for me. And then you'll get it again, and then you'll be looking for me. And before you know it, you'll exalt me so high that I have to fall so far that you'll have to be so disappointed. What you don't understand is I'm not here to give you a fish. I'm here to teach you how to fish. I got you. I baited you. And now I'm switching. I baited you thinking I'm going to get healed. And I'm switching now and telling you, you are not only going to be healed, you're going to be the healer. Give me some of that right there. I feel I need some of that right there. Give me some of this word. Watch us now. I'm, I'm approaching the text. Shout after his passion. Uh huh. Verse 16. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folk. And them which were vexed by demon spirits, and they were healed, everyone. Slap somebody a high five and say, everyone. Oh, God Almighty, you don't understand what I'm talking about. I said they were healed, everyone. The little damsels that got demons because they were out sleeping with men, they got healed. Those that were tormented and couldn't sleep, they got healed. Those that had sexually transmitted diseases like the woman with the issue of blood, they got healed. Those that were tormented by unclean spirits, they got healed. Men that cast themselves into the fire but could not be burned, they got healed. People with arthritic, crippling conditions, they got healed. Blind men like Bartimaeus, they got healed. Women... No, you didn't hear what I said. You're still sitting there thinking, well, I'm the only one. Let me tell you, God, God has no failures, and he's not about ready to start with you. God is not about ready. He said, because I could swear by no higher, I swore by myself. He said, if I don't heal you, I'll give my throne to the devil. I said, this is a mess, ain't it? Slap somebody a high five and say, after his passion. They were all healed. Everyone. 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 After his passion. Everyone. Why? Because he that was with us, God in us. And everywhere we go, the manifested tangible presence of heard the Holy Ghost just shout, build me an army, son. Tired of the church dragging in to miracle healing and victory service. Come on now. You know what you should have done? You should have gone and emptied out the hospital floor before you got here. You should have drug them in here on cots and beds in wheelchairs instead you're in the church every week and you're the very ones running in to try to get healed have i lost my mind good 
Shout after his passion. They were healed. Every one. 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 Shout if you believe we're still living in that moment. There are three stages in the kingdom of heaven listed in the gospel according to Matthew. First of all, in Matthew chapter 3, I believe. In Matthew, uh, well, let me find it. Yeah, Matthew 3. Matthew 3, you don't have to turn over there. John the Baptist was preaching. Here's what he said. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's here's what he said. Repent. Now listen. Not talking about forgiveness of sins. Talking about change your mind. You're thinking wrong. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now listen. Listen. He's not talking about immediacy. He's talking about imminency. Here's what what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. The kingdom of heaven, Pastor Pierman, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not immediacy. This is John the Baptist talking, but imminency. Here's what he's saying. The kingdom of heaven is now. No, no, see, I, I, got, I got patty cake. I'll put it here. Popcorn. See, that's why I have to destroy this in you. That's why teaching has to destroy this in you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand now. And let me, let me, give, you, let me, let me give you another translation. Not only is it here now, it's here to stay. The kingdom of heaven is here now, on the second row, on the third person over. The kingdom of heaven is here now. And it is not only here now, it's here to stay. That means it ain't going nowhere. Thy kingdom come. How do you know it is? How do you know the kingdom has come? Thy will be done. When? Now, where? On earth. As it is currently being done in heaven. Let me ask you a question. Is there any cancer in heaven? Then there's not any on the third person on the second row. Because it's the same king. We're not... We're not going to change kingdoms. We're not going to change kingdoms when we die. We're going to change rooms in the kingdom. Just out of one room into another room. Shout after his passion. 
We're in the kingdom now. I'm going to mess you up. You got Hebrews 12. You got Hebrews 12, 22. 22. You got it? Throw it up there. Throw it up there. <laughs> Woo. But you are come. Stop there and look at me. Didn't say you were going. Said you are come. That means you're already there. Now I told you, all you're going to do tonight is realize you're already healed. You're already, and the moment you get that revelation, you see, because there's a difference between revelation and philosophy. Philosophy is a science of the mind. Revelation is a science of the spirit. So you better be listening with something other than your mind because what's happening in you is greater than what's happening to you. I don't even care whether your mind gets it or not. But you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God. Next verse. The heavenly, that's a poor translation. It actually should be translated spiritual. To the spiritual Jerusalem. Touch somebody and say, I'm already there. Eventually my body will catch up. But spiritually, I'm already there. Your spirit is not going to go through any metamorphosis when you die. All your spirit is going to do is be loose from your body. Because the whole creation is groaning to wit the manifestation of the sons of God. The redemption of the purchased possession, meaning your body. Here's good news. Your spirit shall sustain all of your infirmity. You're still looking at me like, well, when's he going to get out the oil and pray for us? Somebody's going to get this. 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 After his passion, I'm already there. I'm in the spiritual Jerusalem. Right now, I'm in the spiritual Jerusalem. And in the spiritual Jerusalem, there ain't no sickness. There ain't no sorrow. There ain't no pain. There ain't no depression. There are no bad Mondays and blue Tuesdays. Help me, somebody. I'm already in the spiritual Jerusalem. All we got to do is get our body to catch up. Somebody's body's catching up on me, aren't they? Watch. To the general assembly. Now touch these pews. Just touch them and say, this ain't it. This ain't it. No, this ain't it. This carpet, this ain't it. This steel and lights and stone and wood and mortar. This ain't it. I belong to another church. I belong to the general assembly. Oh God, watch this. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn.
Man, I don't know how you're not getting healed right now. I, just, just say I'm a member in good standing of the spiritual Jerusalem church of the firstborn good god almighty you talk about a choir we got ourselves a choir we are encompassed round about with so great a cloud of witnesses the spirits of just men made perfect you don't understand i'm going to church with smith wigglesworth right now i'm in church right now with howard carter and amy simple mcpherson and jack cole and a.a allen and dr lester sumbrall he's not in one kingdom and i'm in a different kingdom we are in the same kingdom right now and whatever is available in heaven is available on earth when 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 well why don't you take it then uh But that's not even the stage of the kingdom you're in. That went through the earthly ministry of Jesus. You're in the second stage of the kingdom. According to Matthew's gospel. In Matthew 13, verse 1 through 52. There are seven stages in the central portion of the kingdom's reign. Now the third stage is after the rapture. When we go to heaven... The prophetic stage that's after the return of Jesus we are in between the earthly ministry of Jesus and the return of Jesus we are in what is commonly referred to I like this as the stage of the kingdom called the revealing of mysteries hold, hold this down here a minute is it nine o'clock yet I quit at nine. Let me get pretty. I'm on TV. So are you. Fix your hair. Make sure your tie is straight. There are seven stages in the revealing of the mysteries. I don't have time to go through all seven of those stages. Let me just share with you that a mystery is a previously hidden truth which is now divinely revealed, leaving in its essence the miraculous. The revealing of mysteries let me share just one with you when I was a boy growing up I watched seven members of my immediate family go to church some of them every day of the week I watched seven members of my immediate family die. I got to the point I couldn't stand to drive past Sheddinger Funeral Homes. It seemed that I lived there. 
Seven funerals in 18 months. Seven members of my immediate family die in 18 months. And then I would watch the preacher who would preach on Sunday morning and tell me God loved me. Get in that same pulpit on Thursday afternoon at the funeral of a 17-year-old girl who died with a hairbrush scratching her flesh off of her body, dying with Hodgkin's disease leukemia. I watched that preacher say in that funeral service, wherein it has pleased our Father God to take from us the life of this our loved one, why the Lord has plucked another flower for the bouquet of heaven. And I wanted to say at eight years of age, if God created the world, it looks to me like he could have created himself a flower. It didn't seem to me like he had to kill this one to get it. Why are you looking at me funny? Because some of you have never settled this question. You have never settled the question, is it God's perfect will to heal always? See how quiet it is right now? It is not God's will that 17-year-olds and 19-year-olds and 35-year-olds die of some disease and go to heaven? That's philosophy. Let me tell you what it is. It's experiential theology. Meaning you base what you believe on what you have seen. What your experience is. Oh, it's so quiet in here. Are you getting anything? Are you, are you getting anything? Are, 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 it's experiential theology. Here's what experiential theology is. Your preacher prays for 10 sick people. Two of them have a manifestation of healing. Eight of them die. Therefore, your theology is it's God's will to heal 20% of the time. And that becomes your paradigm. That becomes your model. That becomes what you base your belief system on. You cannot, under God, hear me tonight. You cannot base what you believe on what you see. You must base what you believe on his eternal, inerrant, unending, never dying, indisputable word. But some of you don't know what that says. No, I'm teaching till nine o'clock. This is my mandate.
we started our church and I went to preaching healing the way the Bible teaches it. We had a, we had a lady that was involved in the music ministry, a young lady. Her mom and dad came to the church as well. She came to the church. She was dying. They'd have to prop her up on the front row. I kept teaching, 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 teaching. Colors started coming back in her cheeks. Weight started coming back on her body. Her knees and elbows became uh, rightly proportioned to her thighs and biceps. She, she got the color back in her hair and her hair started growing back in. And, and finally, she was absolutely, totally healed, went to the doctor, got a clean bill of health on a deadly disease. Totally gone. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. She got involved in the music program. Well, the Holy Spirit led me to do away with the hymnals that we were using at the time and begin to put up on a little overhead projector scripture choruses. Well, that offended the parents. They didn't like that. So they took her out of the church. Three months later, they called me in the middle of the night. I could hear someone screaming in the background. It was that mother. Come quickly. Come quickly. She's dying. I walked up, got out of my car. It was about one o'clock in the morning. I could smell death when I walked to the front door. It was all over that building. In back, they took me back into the little room where she was laying. They had candles burning everywhere. Candles. Down at the foot of her bed was a man and a woman. Now she's laying in bed gasping for breath. <laughs> Down at the foot of her bed is a man and a woman. Like this. I said to the mother, excuse me. Who's that? That's our new pastor. I said, and uh, what are they doing? <laughs> They're praying. <sighs> Your Bible says you make void and of no effect the word of God by your traditions i have no more need for pentecostal religion than i do a shinto shrine or a hindu cow i said really in one fell swoop i hit the lights knocked over the candles jumped right between the two of them landed in the middle of that bed and grabbed that girl by her nightgown and jerked her up in front of me and screamed at the top of my lungs live i command you to live in the name of jesus shout after his passion they were all healed. Everyone. 
I'd like to tell you that she lived, but she didn't. She got better. I said, you better bring that girl back to church and put her on the front row. I said, I don't care. Wrap her, wrap her in a sheet and bring her in and lay her on the front row. And she'll live and not die. Well, I don't know. You know, we go to this other church now. Well, good. Good for you. Tonight, that girl's in heaven. She didn't need to be. She's younger than me. She didn't need to be in heaven. Neither do you. After his passion, he healed them all. Do you believe that? Do you feel healing virtue flowing in your body right now? Lay your hands on your body and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. I mean pray till you can hear yourself praying with your own ears. Pray until you can hear yourself praying with your own ears. You don't have to do anything to get sick, but you've got to get a revelation to get healed and remain healed. Psalm 11.3 said, if the foundation be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Malachi 3.6 said, I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews 13.8 said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at me. God is one perfect personal spirit. That's who God is. God is one perfect personal spirit. If God is perfect, and in the old covenant, he said, I am Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. If that's who he was in the old covenant and he is perfect, then he must still be that because if he changed, then he is no longer perfect. Oh, you didn't hear nothing I said. I'm trying to get faith in you. Shout after his passion. He healed them all. He was the healer in the old covenant. Psalm 103 verses 1 through 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and healeth all thy diseases. Verse 4. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction Hebrews 12 24 the blood speaks in heaven you hear what I said the blood speaks in heaven Rod Parsley is redeemed continually it never stops his blood cries rod parsley is redeemed wendell is redeemed ronnie is redeemed Joni is redeemed stephanie is redeemed consistently continually the blood of christ is before the throne of god crying out you are redeemed see so you don't you don't you don't 
Well, yeah, I'm redeemed, Pastor Rod. I mean, I know I'm going to heaven. I mean, I know the blood forgives my sins. I, I understand all that, but I, I'm not talking about my sins, Brother Rod. I'm not talking about going to heaven. What I'm talking about is being healed in my body. I'm so glad you asked. Turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 53. And just touch your neighbor and say, he's about to freak us out right now. I can feel it coming. Stay with me. Give me five minutes. Give me five minutes. Give me five minutes. Here it is. Here it is. Isaiah 53 verse 1. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Those are actually transposed in the original text. It actually says the arm of the Lord is revealed to them that believe the report. Oh God. That's a little bit different, isn't it? I said the arm of the Lord is revealed. Revelation, revelation. That's what you've got to get. You've got to get a revelation that he is I am that I am. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That if he was the healer, he is the healer. And if he is the healer, he will always be the healer. And if he ever healed anybody, he's no respecter of persons according to this book. He will heal you. The arm of the Lord is revealed to them that believe the report. Let me ask you a question. Whose report are you going to believe? You're going to believe the doctor's report, the preacher's report, or his report? Because his report says he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was laid upon him, and with his stripes you were healed. I said this book's... I can't get it. You're just all looking at me like bumps on a pickle. I, I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't tell if I'm breaking through to you at all. Or it's getting close to 9 o'clock, so you're getting nervous. And, and you, you... The arm of the Lord is revealed to them that believe the report. The report is, with his stripes, you are healed. Now watch. Verse 3. He, meaning Jesus, was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and as we hid, it, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4. Surely. He knew we'd doubt right here. And that's the reason he said surely. He knew we'd waver right here, and that's the reason he said surely. It's not talking about a woman named Shirley. Surely. That means absolutely. That means without reservation. That means without any doubt. That means in the month of April, in the year 2004, in the Sunday night service, long about approaching 9 o'clock, a revelation went off on the inside of me. I had that 18-inch drop from philosophy to revelation. Something exploded on the inside of me, and a logos word, a written word, became a rhema word a living word something exploded on the inside of me and I saw it he said surely slap somebody a high five and shout after his passion they were healed everyone good God almighty look at it look at it I'm going to fix you I'm going to fix you right now first of all he hath borne our griefs Cross out that word in your Bible. It has nothing to do with crying. 
It's the Greek word. You say, but this is the Old Testament. Yes, but it was translated out of the Old Testament into Greek in a document called the Septuagint, which is the most accurate, is that correct, Elder Canfield? Which is the most correct translation that we have of the Old Covenant from the Hebrew into the Greek with six verb tenses instead of three like we have. Six verb tenses now. We're getting the old covenant. So we're getting the true meaning of what God was saying. And it is not the word grief. It has nothing to do with crying. It's the Greek word K-H-O-L-E-E. Koli. And every other place in your Bible, it is translated sicknesses. Such as Deuteronomy 7.15, Deuteronomy 28.61, 1 Kings 17.17. 17, and on throughout the Old Covenant, it is always in every instance translated sicknesses except right here. Now watch this because I'm going to freak you out. Next word, the next noun. He hath carried our sorrows. Okay. Wrong. Greek word is macabre. It translates every other place in the Bible, pains. He hath borne our sicknesses. He, meaning Jesus, has carried our pain. If the Father required Jesus to carry your pain, is an insult to Jesus for him to require you to carry it as well. hear what I said if the father required Jesus to carry your pain then the father insults him by requiring you to carry it as well Let me ask you a question. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is there an ever an instance where Jesus was sick? Ever. Don't you think if he ever was, we'd had it recorded in there somewhere? So gee, you don't have any problem believing that Jesus was never sick. Never. Not a cold, not a flu, not a broken arm, not a broken leg. Not sugar diabetes, not high blood pressure, not artery, uh, artery disease, nothing. Jesus, not AIDS. Jesus. You believe he walked completely free from sickness and disease. Do you believe that? Well, what made him sick on the cross? He was sure sick there. When he walked on this earth, all people had to do was touch the hem of his garment and sicknesses left them. He was walking in such divine health. But when they swung him up between heaven and earth, every sickness, every disease, every pain, every infirmity, every malady was laid upon him. If he carried it, why should you? Now, wait a minute. Look, look at me. You don't have any problem believing that he carried your sin. Do you? Well, he carried this one, but I don't know about that one. 
you know, maybe it's, his, maybe it's God's will for me to, to, to keep this sin. No. You don't believe that for a minute, do you? Maybe it's God's will for me just to continue in this sin because God's trying to teach me something. I'm just freaking you out. No, maybe, no, no, maybe, 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 you know, maybe you got a problem with pornography and what God says to you is just keep that. Keep that problem with pornography because the blood wasn't sufficient enough for that one. And God wants to teach you something. So just keep that. You know, everybody's like, you're ready to stone me. But that's what you say about sickness. And that's what you say about pain. And that's what you say about infirmity. Well, maybe the Lord's got me up here in the hospital to teach me something. How come you don't ever learn? It is just as silly to say God wants me to keep this sin as it is to say God wants me to keep this sickness. Oh, I can't, I can't get no help in here. I can't find nobody. I can't find nobody wants to believe. I'm, I'm, I got people trying to talk me out of this. That's what religion always tries to do. Talk you out of what the Holy Spirit is trying to talk you into. I'm going to get this out. Right here it is. Because I'm going I'm to fix the verbs in this verse too. Surely he hath borne. Uh-huh. It, it is the Greek word nasa. It means to suffer punishment for. It is also, here you go, it is also used in verse 12. Verse 12 says, therefore, will I divide a portion, will he divide a portion with the great? Look down after the colon. And he was, he meaning Jesus, was numbered with the transgressors and bare the sin of many. Do you believe he bore your sin? Well, the same word says he bore your sicknesses. Only it's not the word bore, it's actually the words suffered punishment for. And then carried, carried our pain, not sorrows, he carried our pain is the Greek word sabal, S-A-B-A-L. It means to bear as a penalty. And it is used in verse 11. Look at verse 11. He's... He shall see of tra- the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge and shall, and shall my righteous servant justly, justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. He shall, watch, he shall bear as a penalty their iniquities. Do you believe he did that? Do you believe he bore them all? Do you believe that, that faith in his blood can free you that he will carry away every sin and every iniquity according to Isaiah 55, 53. Do you believe that? Isaiah 53, 11 and 12. Do you believe that? Do you, do you believe that you're going to go to heaven? If you believe that, then you believe and understand no sin can enter heaven. What washed away your sin? The blood. What took away your iniquity the blood all of it how did you get saved how did you get saved by grace through faith by grace 
through faith. How'd you get saved? By grace, through faith. For this thing is not of works, lest any man should boast. But it's the free gift of God. I said it's the free gift of God. Your salvation is the free gift of God. You didn't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't hold your head right, turn your tongue right. You can't do anything. It is the free gift of God. It was purchased by the blood of Jesus, and it paid the price in full for every iniquity and every sin. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Every sin. Every iniquity. How did you receive it? With the heart man believes. But with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Is that right? Is that how you got your sins forgiven? You believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth. If that's what took care, faith in that blood and confessing that blood as the full price paid for your sin, washed all your sin and iniquity away, I will submit to you, Faith in that blood and confession of the faith in that blood will do the same to every sickness that torments your body right now. I submit that to you. I submit that healing is in the blood. Oh, glory to God. I, I submit that migraine headaches are washed away by the blood. That deafness is washed away by the blood. That tumors disappear by faith in that blood. And confessing the faith of God in that blood will heal every sickness and every disease. Here's how it reads. Here's how it reads. Good God Almighty. Surely Jesus suffered the punishment for my sicknesses and Jesus bore as a penalty on the cross my pain. Surely Jesus suffered the punishment for my sicknesses and bore as a penalty my pain on that cross. Let me give you a couple other translations. Young says, surely our sicknesses Christ has borne and our pains, he has carried them all. Dr. Isaac Leeser said, but only our disease did he bear himself and our pains did he carry. Alexander McLaren, one of the foremost theologians in the world, declared it is to be kept in view that the griefs which the servant Christ is here described in Isaiah 53, 4 as bearing are literally sicknesses and that the sorrows are literal diseases. First Peter, Peter 2, 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. One more verse. Do you believe that Jesus could translate Isaiah 53, 4 accurately? That Jesus could. Do you believe Jesus could? Forget theologians. Do you believe Jesus could accurately translate Isaiah 53, 4? Well, here's what he said in Matthew 8, 16 and 17. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with the devil, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet in chapter 53 and verse 4, saying, Jesus himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Are you saved? Are you healed?
Are you saved? Are you healed? Are you saved? Are you healed? Are you saved? Are you healed? Now, right now, right now, then stand upon your feet and give God glory for taking every sickness, every disease, every pain, every malady, every infirmity out of your body. Thank him for bearing it on his cross. Give it to him now. Just like you would confess your sin, confess your sicknesses before him, believing that he is carrying them away. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.